Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, Trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Breaking news tonight. America crosses 4 million cases. The CDC tonight with a startling new prediction, saying the country could see up to 30,000 more deaths in the next three weeks. Cases now surging along the Gulf Coast. Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama hard hit. And in California, look at these lines to get a test as thousands wait in the heat. Children and the coronavirus, Florida's youngest victim, a nine-year-old girl. As one of the nation's top health officials says kids over the age of 10 spread COVID as easily as adults. Breaking news, Republican convention canceled in Jacksonville. The president announces he won't accept the party's nomination in Florida. Staggering job losses. Tonight, the 1.4 million filing claims last week. But with unemployment benefits set to expire in just days, will Congress extend the lifeline? Culture of misogyny. Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez condemns a Republican for allegedly using a sexist profanity. It's not about one incident. It is cultural. Dangerous hand sanitizer. Dozens of brands being recalled. The chemical that could be life-threatening. Tracking Tropical Storm Gonzalo. It is on its way to becoming a hurricane. And finally tonight, the twin brothers who have dedicated their lives to saving others after a near catastrophe in the pool. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. And as we come on the air tonight, the U.S. has now surpassed 4 million cases of coronavirus. That is a drastic increase of infections in just a few weeks that illustrates how rapidly the virus is spreading. So to give you a sense of how fast cases are growing, it took about five months to reach 2 million cases here in the U.S., but only six weeks to double that number. And tonight, for the second night in a row, more than 1,000 people have been killed by the virus nationwide in just 24 hours. The CDC said today that death toll will only keep growing, projecting as many as 30,000 more deaths in the next three weeks. 
With deaths in Florida hitting a record high tonight, President Trump says he is pulling back on his plan to host part of the Republican convention in Jacksonville next month and will most likely now give his acceptance speech online. The president angrily moved much of the convention to Florida last month after North Carolina's governor said that his state couldn't safely allow thousands of delegates to gather in an arena. And in his third briefing with reporters this week, the president repeated his threat that schools which don't reopen fully this fall will lose federal funding, saying children have very strong immune systems, even as there is mounting evidence tonight that the rate of infection among children is growing. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by. CBS's Jamie Yukis is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Los Angeles. Good evening, Jamie. Good evening, Nora. About one out of 10 of those 4 million infections happen here in California. Thousands have come to testing sites like this one, but can't get results for up to 10 days. And every delay keeps the virus spreading. Inside the Riverside Community Hospital, beds are filling up with COVID patients at an alarming rate, with doctors and nurses racing to save each life. But each day, the state marks another record of cases and deaths. 682 have died in the past week alone. Epidemiologist Dr. Lee Riley puts some of the blame on California reopening too soon. By reopening some of the businesses, uh, that also had the general public think that uh, things were getting better. So they stopped wearing masks and adhering to the uh, social distancing measures. Up and down the state, people in cars and on foot are waiting hours to get tested and days for the results. There's no sign of relief in other COVID hotspots. Florida just recorded its highest single-day death toll, 173 lives lost. Texas also set a one-day record with 197 deaths. In a phone call released by the Center for Public Integrity, Dr. Deborah Burks, a leader of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, warns 11 cities to take aggressive action to combat the COVID-19 outbreaks. This is really critical um, that everybody is following this and making sure they're being aggressive about mitigation efforts. New York is one of the few states to see its numbers hold steady. But today, Governor Andrew Cuomo raised concerns about a 4% uptick in cases among 21 to 30-year-olds due to social gatherings like this one. This is not the time to fight for your right to party. Meanwhile, in Loma Linda, California, a woman fights to stay alive with the help of her loving sister. 31-year-old Janet Sanabinez is battling coronavirus in the ICU. But unlike other COVID patients, she has family by her side. Her sister Maribel, who happens to be a nurse in the unit. She can't do anything medically for her, but she is there holding her hand. She is there telling her, J.J., Keep fighting. You got this. Just giving her hope, telling her not to give up. A nurse on the front line for her sister. Jamie Yuka, CBS News, Los Angeles. I'm Mireya Villarreal. Here in Dallas County, Texas, about 4,000 children have tested positive for COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. Today, Admiral Brett Joie, head of testing in the U.S., raised a warning about kids 10 and over. As you get older and as, a, and as an adolescent, um, you can transmit almost the equivalent of an adult. I feel terrible. Stacy Casa believes her 14-year-old daughter was exposed while she was at camp about 100 miles outside Dallas. She quarantined for 14 days after testing positive for COVID-19. Looking back on it, I think there's many occasions where I could put my mask on and like wash my hands. 
In Florida, a nine-year-old became the fifth and youngest child in that state to have died from the virus, while a Tulsa family tested positive after mom and daughter attended a church camp. Back in Dallas County, health experts urged parents to avoid a false sense of security about children and COVID. Our data certainly show about 10% thus far uh, have been in kids under the age of 18. Still, scientists believe the illness is generally not as debilitating in younger patients because they have stronger immune systems. The public health data is quite compelling that children can get infected and even have mild symptoms but can still transmit the virus. As testing continues to increase here in Dallas, experts do believe that they will see more cases involving young children. But right now, researchers are still trying to figure out why exactly kids under the age of 10 are less likely to spread the virus than older ones. Nora? Maria Villarreal, thank you. I want to get more now on the president's decision to call off the Jacksonville portion of the Republican convention. He cited what he called a flare-up of COVID cases in Florida. Here's CBS's Weijia Zhang. President Trump said his political team put together absolutely beautiful plans for the convention in Jacksonville. But given what Florida is going through, he said it's not the right time to execute. So I told my team it's time to cancel the Jacksonville, Florida component of the GOP convention. As cases continue to surge, so did a list of Republican leaders who said they would not attend the event due to safety concerns. And earlier this week, the city sheriff doubted he could provide enough security for the convention. I'll still do a convention speech in a different form, but we won't do a big crowded convention per se. It's just not the right time for that. In another reversal tonight, President Trump stopped insisting that all schools across the country must reopen in the fall. Instead, he said school districts located in current hotspots may have to delay reopening for weeks, adding it should not be a political decision. Nora? Weijia Zhang, thank you. As states pull back on plans to reopen, more Americans are looking for work. 1.4 million workers filed new claims for unemployment benefits in the last week. That's the first increase in weekly claims since March. And the news comes just days before a $600 a week jobless benefit is set to expire. Here's CBS's Nancy Cordes. Roughly 30 million Americans are now relying on unemployment checks. That's one in five U.S. workers whose finances are suddenly up in the air because of a Washington fight. Why do they have to make a fuss over $600, which means a lot to many working families? Expanded unemployment benefits, $600 extra per person per week, are due to run out at the end of this month. Unless Congress acts, states will start cutting smaller checks next week. I can't express the level of rage that I have. Britton Foster's benefits in New York will revert to $178 a week. I can't pay my rent on that. I can't pay mine and my daughter's phone bill, our power bill, our car insurance, uh, and our Internet. House Democrats passed a bill two months ago to extend the $600 benefit through January. But Senate Republicans said that's too generous and held off. We can't give people a disincentive to go back to work. We'll never recover from this if we're all at home watching Netflix. Today, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin proposed a new formula to give jobless workers 70 percent of their former wages. 
if you were making $300, you're not going to get $600 uh, this time. And that's fair. Look, Democratic leader look Chuck the Schumer. The unemployment insurance that we passed has kept more people out of poverty than just about anything else that's been passed. People need to feed their families. At this point, it is unlikely that Congress will be able to work out a compromise before the deadline. And so Republican sources concede that there likely will be a short-term lapse in these expanded benefits before they return in some form in August. Nora. All right, Nancy Cordes, thank you. Tonight, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez repeated a vulgar and sexist insult that was allegedly used against her by a Republican colleague in an emotional speech on the House floor today. She did it to make a point about a culture of misogyny and what she called a pattern of dehumanization against women. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. In an extraordinary moment on the House floor today, New York Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez lit into Florida Republican Ted Yoho for allegedly directing a slur at her. In front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me, and I quote, bitch. This issue is not about one incident. It is cultural. It is a culture of lack of impunity, of accepting of violence and violent language against women. Yoho reportedly confronted Ocasio-Cortez on the steps of the U.S. Capitol Monday over her recent comments about poverty being a root cause of crime. He apologized for his behavior, but strongly denied using those words. Having been married for 45 years with two daughters, I'm very cognizant of my language. The offensive name-calling uh, words attributed to me by the press were never spoken to my colleagues. I am someone's daughter, too. My father thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. Ed O'Keefe, CBS News, Washington. Tonight, the Food and Drug Administration is recalling 75 brands of hand sanitizer, warning that the products many are using to ward off infection may be making users sick or even causing death if ingested. We've got more now from CBS's Chris Van Cleve. Tonight, notices alerting Americans to a growing list of recalled hand sanitizers as doctors in Arizona and New Mexico are sounding the alarm. At least 11 are dead and more than 30 hospitalized after using contaminated hand sanitizer, many drinking it in the hopes of getting a buzz. The FDA is now investigating 75 products from Mexico claiming to contain ethanol, but instead have tested positive for methanol or wood alcohol. It's toxic when absorbed through the skin and life-threatening if consumed. CBS News medical contributor, Dr. David Agus. When COVID-19 came along, you know, trusted brands went out the window for products in demand like hand sanitizer. And we took what we can get. And what you get is a lot of foreign-made hand sanitizers that do not have quality ingredients. While the FDA was unable to tell CBS News how many bottles of bad sanitizer were sold, some were available at major retailers like Costco, Walmart, and CVS. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Washington.
The NIH is the nation's medical research agency, and next week will launch an unprecedented effort to find a COVID-19 vaccine. NIH Director Francis Collins is part of Operation Warp Speed, which aims to deliver 300 million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine by January 2021. And he joins us now. Dr. Collins, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Nora, and thanks for all the great reporting you're doing on this critical issue. Are we on the brink of something big? Next Monday, uh, if all goes well, we expect to see the launch of a phase three. That's a trial, which is a joint effort of NIH and a company called Moderna. They aim uh, to enroll 30,000 people. Is the vaccine development ahead of schedule, as the president has said? I've been at NIH for 27 years. I have never seen anything come together this way as we have tried to do and are now doing uh, for the development of vaccines. And the government, by providing additional resources, has also made it possible now to plan manufacturing of vaccine doses even before you know if the vaccine is going to work. But I do want to say, Nora, when people hear that warp speed term, maybe it makes them a little nervous, like, wait a minute, are they being a little bit too casual here about safety? No, we are not being casual as far as the safety and the effectiveness will not be compromised. And once a vaccine is available, how long will it take to vaccinate every American who wants it? By the spring, I would think most Americans would have the chance for a vaccination. I hope, by the way, that most Americans will see this as something they want to do. I'm a little worried about some resistance to this that's also emerging in some of the polls. Bill Gates told me he's concerned right now because, in his words, the CDC has been muzzled to a dramatic degree and that Dr. Fauci, who you work with, has been limited. Do you agree? Dr. Fauci doesn't just work with me. I talk to him every night. Uh, He is uh, one of the most remarkable scientists in the world and the most significant expert in infectious disease anywhere. There have been some ups and downs. I'm happy to see the president now talking about having a good relationship with Dr. Fauci. I hope we will see more of him. Dr. Francis Collins of the NIH, thank you so much. Nora, it's great to be with you. Thanks for what you're doing. Some exciting news ahead, and you can see more of our interview online at cbsnews.com. Tonight, we're following Tropical Storm Gonzalo in the Atlantic. It has winds of 60 miles an hour and could threaten several Caribbean islands by the weekend. Another storm in the Gulf of Mexico could cause flash flooding along the Texas coast on Saturday. 133 days after shutting down, baseball's back tonight with the world champion Washington Nationals hosting the Yankees. Dr. Anthony Fauci will throw out the first pitch with no fans attending. National star Juan Soto will miss the game after testing positive for COVID-19. Twin brothers turned a traumatic experience into a lesson for their community, one that will help save lives in the process. Here's Janet Shamlian with more on this remarkable pair. A pool full of children who can't swim would make any parent's heart race. But not with Torrance and Thurman Thomas in the water. Who's the better swimmer? Oh, man. Uh, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm you know, guy. I'm going to say me. The twins can joke now, but as children, Thurman almost drowned. Moments from becoming a sobering statistic. African-American children are five and a half times more likely to drown. It blew us away, and we then had to make a decision. We decided, okay, what, what can we do with this? Saving lives has become their life's calling. 
free swim lessons for children who might not get them. You know how they say, like, it just takes a second? That's exactly what it was. Candace Perez had a close call with her older son, Elijah. I think you can do it. What do you think? She's desperate for five-year-old Jeremiah to learn to swim. With volunteers working one-on-one, -on -one, fear turns to fun. It really makes me feel appreciative that, you know, we can be used to bring so much good. Even in this unusual time, the mission is critical. We teach swimming lessons, yes, but we really teach confidence. And if your worst fear is the water and we can conquer your worst fear together, what's left? What's next? Jumping in with lessons that can shape a life and save one. Janet Shemley and CBS News, Austin, Texas. We've got a programming note for you tomorrow on CBS This Morning. Ron Rivera, the coach of the Washington football team, in his first interview since the franchise dropped its name. And a reminder, if you can't watch the CBS Evening News Live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. I hope to see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Okay. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.